0: Our scripture reading this morning comes to us from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. It is Hannah's prayer of thanksgiving, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Hear the word of God. Then Hannah prayed, My heart rejoices in the Lord. The Lord has made me strong. Now I have an answer for my enemies. I rejoice because you rescued me. No one is holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Stop acting so proud and haughty. Don't speak with such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows what you have done. He will judge your actions. The bow of the mighty is now broken, and those who stumbled are now strong. Those who were well-fed are now starving, and those who were starving are now full. The childless woman now has seven children, and the woman with many children wastes away. The Lord gives both death and life. He brings some down to the grave, but raises others up. The Lord makes some poor and others rich. He brings some down and lifts others up. He lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. He sets them among princes, finding them places in seats of honor. For all the earth is the Lord's and he has set the world in order. He will protect his faithful ones, but the wicked will disappear in darkness. No one will succeed by strength alone. Those who fight against the Lord will be shattered He thunders against them from heaven. The Lord judges throughout the earth. He gives power to his king. He increases the strength of his anointed one. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Amen. It is a pleasure to be with you today. Sabrina has already alluded to my checkered past, (laughs) and I actually have that checkered past not only with Sabrina, also with Roland and with Chad. I was Chad's first senior pastor as he was an associate pastor, his first call in Amarillo. Uh, All three of your pastors I have connections with to where I participated in some way or another in their ordination services. I hope this is not the occasion for some kind of intervention for me. Or or I don't owe them any money, I think. Uh, Kathy, start the car, if you would. No, it is an honor to be here. And I love your summer series, What's the Point of Prayer? We're looking at prayers you are as a congregation from Abraham all the way into the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. And today we get to look at Hannah's prayer, Hannah's prayer of thanksgiving. And you've been encouraged, if I understand right, to spend an hour a day with God in Scripture and prayer. I want to touch on that a little bit as we go. Well, it's always helpful to figure out where our speaker's going. Uh, So I'm going to try to set this up so that way I'm honor-bound to follow it. We're going to first talk about the setting and story of Hannah a little bit. And then see three things that Hannah's prayer of thanksgiving shows us about God. God is a God who rescues. God is a God who reverses. And God is a God who rectifies, rescues, reverses, rectifies. And as we talk about the God who does these three things, uh, we'll explore some of the implications of what that means for how we pray and what we pray for. Okay, sound like a plan? We'll move in that direction. But first the setting and scene and all of that preliminary kind of stuff. The husband, Elkanah, two wives, not just Hannah, but Peninnah, only a man could think up of a system like that to be honest, two wives uh, women don't usually suggest that, and Peninnah has many children. Hannah is barren, childless. you know, not much worse could happen in the ancient world to a woman other than childlessness, infertility and worse Peninnah is snarky about it, hateful mean and Elkanah oh gosh what a man as Hannah is mourning and crying and praying about this Elkanah says well you have me aren't I better than ten sons Are all men clueless? I'm just wondering. (laughs) So Hannah goes to the tabernacle to pray and she's praying silently, eyes closed, lips moving, uh, but nothing's coming out. The priest, Eli, thinks she's drunk. Uh, That's a good way for a conversation to start. But eventually they talk and Eli tells her to pray. Her prayer will be answered and it certainly is. Hannah conceives and bears a son. Samuel, if you're wondering where the name Samuel for the name of the book, 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel comes from, it's from this Samuel that Hannah will bear. The Samuel who becomes a great judge, a great leader, and the transitional leader into the kings of Israel. So Hannah prays. A marvelous prayer of thanksgiving in response to God. That's the prayer we actually read. It is an incredibly moving prayer. It's also, for some people, too incredible. How could someone like Hannah with a a lack of education and experience and all that, pray such a marvelous and moving prayer. You know, there are similarities between this prayer and Mary's prayer in the Gospel of Luke that we call the Magnificat and some of the same criticisms that some scholars have about it. And, you know, humanly speaking, we come to that kind of thing with a lot of assumptions, uh, a lot of modern assumptions about who knows what and when. I tend to think the Holy Spirit's bigger than all that, and the Holy Spirit enables Hannah to pray this prayer. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. When you factor in the Spirit, it's amazing what happens. And so we're going to look at this Spirit-led, Spirit-conceived prayer that Hannah gives and see what happens. And remember, we're also going to talk about, in terms of the implications for our prayer life, uh, what we pray for and how we pray. All right. Hannah begins in verses 1 and 2, the God who rescues, and she begins with thanksgiving. It's joy. It's victory. The answer for her enemies. And she's not just talking about her snarky sister wife and her clueless husband, I don't think. A childless woman in the ancient world had plenty of naysayers. So she's including that. And the key is here at the end of verse one into the start of verse two. I rejoice because you rescued me. No one is holy like the Lord. God rescues her. Now, rescue is a huge word in Scripture, isn't it? It gets used all the time. It's the word that's often used for salvation, for saving. It's translated that way if you were reading this from the English Standard or the New Revised Standard. That's what you would read today. A lot of cases in Scripture where this is the way it's used. Uh, You go to Exodus 14. Moses with the children of Israel at the Red Sea seeing the Egyptians advance. And Moses says to them, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 3 will use this term as well. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. Rescue. Now, the concept of rescue is pretty simple, isn't it? You're in trouble beyond your ability to save yourself, and you need someone outside you to help, someone to jump in and pull you to shore. You know, this concept's not just in Scripture. It's all over the place. In all of our popular literature, our stories, our songs, rescue is such a common, appealing a powerful storyline in all of our stories and songs. How many movies, TV shows, songs, novels have rescue in them? Almost all of them. Star Wars is not just a science fiction flick. It's a rescue story. Really. There's something about the human heart that loves a rescue. We just love it. There's something else about the human heart that knows it needs rescue, that knows the truth of Jeremiah 17, that the heart is desperately wicked. Who can understand it? All right, so how do we pray? And what do we pray for with the God of rescue? Well, we pray to the God of rescue that he will be true to his nature and rescue Rescue from habits, patterns, addictions, blindnesses. You have them. I have them. We all have them. We've all got stuff, as I like to say. Yes, that's the technical theological term. We all have stuff. And I am a raging dumpster fire of stuff. But uh, most of us here are as well. We need rescue from those patterns, those habits, those Addictions, those blindnesses. So, to pray for those. Rescue from oppression, tyranny, injustice, slavery. You know, I think of the good folks at International Justice Mission who work toward freeing those in slavery. You know that there are more people in slavery today than ever before in the history of humankind human trafficking, slavery. I can pray to the God of rescue that he will never stop reaching out to those in need of rescue. Pray to that God. Rescue from chronic pain, from suffering, from infirmities, from bodies not working the way they ought to work. Minds declining, things not working right. Yes, we pray for rescue from those things. We pray for rescue from sin, brokenness, bondage to the world, the flesh, and the devil, you know, the big three. The ultimate rescue found only in Jesus Christ. Now, you are challenged, you've been challenged, spend an hour a day in scripture and prayer. I bet there are a lot of situations and a lot of people, including yourself, but others, that you can come up with who need rescue. You will never run out of people to pray for rescue. Okay, so the God who rescues. And then secondly, it's the God who reverses. And that's verses 3 through 8 in our reading. Hannah moves, as the old saying goes, (laughs) from preaching to meddling at this point. She just gets pretty uh, strong. Uh, She tells the people not to be so through her prayer. So, oh, how did they put it? Haughty, proud. And then in verses 4 through 7, she mentions seven. Remember, good biblical number. The perfect number of situations, seven situations that are dramatically reversed by God routinely, regularly. Mighty and weak, well fed and starving, barren and fertile, death and life, sick and healthy, poor and rich, common and royal. God is about the business of reversing all of those kinds of situations from the way we would commonly expect. The key verse is here in verse 8. For all the earth is the Lord's and he has set the world in order. Whose order? What order? God's order. God's plan. And thus, often vastly different from what human beings have in mind. And just in case you think Hannah has kind of gone off on a tangent here and is sort of spouting all stuff, she doesn't have any reason uh, to say, have you read the Bible lately? Reversals all over the place. You look at uh, Genesis, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all of them flawed, deeply flawed, less than perfect people. The Israelites I mentioned a moment ago being rescued at the the Red Sea in Exodus 14 in Exodus 15 and 16 they're complaining about the food. David, a man after God's own heart who murders his lover's husband who happens to be one of his soldiers. The prophets, just strange people. Who dress strangely, act strangely, say strange things. Who would want to be one of them? No one in their right mind. But God calls them. In fact, if you want to be a prophet, that's a sign you're not a prophet. (laughs) Then, go New Testament with me. The promised one, the Son of God. The Messiah. Yes. Dies on a cross as a criminal. Most shameful death they could possibly do at that time. And Jesus' core team, his leadership team that he brings together, 12 Jewish men none of us would ever have on a committee for anything we wanted to get done. And one of them ends up betraying him. The early Christians, well, occasionally well-to-do, well-educated, well-thought-of people, like most of us in this room, but vast majority of the time, poor, despised, bottom of the ladder of the day. First century Jews, what do they want? Miracles and signs from heaven. First century Gentiles, Greeks, what do they want? Wisdom and education. First century Christians, what do they give them? Jesus Christ crucified and risen. Our only hope. The story of Christianity is the story of reversals. Reversals of typical human expectations from beginning to end. Leaders are really servants. Weak, strong. Meek, inherit the earth. The poor are really rich. You gain life by losing it. And the last become first. So how do we pray to the God of reversals? Well, we pray that God's reversals will keep on happening the way he wants them to happen in accordance with who he is. That those who are strong and capable will really see their own weakness and need those who believe they have it all together will discover it's really all falling apart those who shoot for earthly success as their aim will realize they fail when it comes to really important stuff and those who perceive they're morally upright will perceive their own fallenness and brokenness Know a few people like that? Know yourself like that? Yeah, that's what we can pray for. I bet you could pray every day for people in situations like these, for God to be about his business of reversing the way we humans normally do stuff. And then the third, the God who rectifies, uh, verses 9 and 10 Hannah brings it home, lands the plane, and I'll attempt to land the plane here as well. God is faithful and victorious. God gives power to the king yet to come. Even Hannah says that she probably doesn't even know what a king is. They don't have one. But that's all right. The Spirit leads her to do that. The key verse is here in verse 10. The Lord judges throughout the earth. In other words, he is a God who brings justice, judgment. Puts things right the way they should be. In other words, God rectifies. Now, rectify, I admit, is not a word we often use. It's a great word, a vivid word. Dictionary definition, to put or set right. What sealed the deal for me was hearing about a TV show of 10 years ago. I didn't watch the show, I just read about it. The title of the show, Rectify fictional show about a man released from death row 20 years after the uh, conviction because the DNA tests showed he couldn't have murdered his girlfriend and he returns to his small Georgia hometown with all the family and friends divided and everything all torn up and the ripple effects going through it all I can't think of a situation that would need more rectifying than a situation like that. There's a YouTube video out. I encourage you to look at it, not now, but in a little bit, called The Big Story. It's an evangelism video. Not that it's, it just teaches us how we can do personal evangelism with a piece of paper or a napkin in a restaurant. Four circles are drawn. The first circle that's drawn is always about the world and how the world is troubled and flawed and messed up. And Chung has said, no one ever argues that point. No one ever says, no, the world's perfect the way it is. Let's keep it that way. No, we all acknowledge it's a flawed, messed up world. And we have a longing for a better world the Christian worldview is that now up to this level we're talking about the level of rectifying only God can do that that's a God sized job kind of sounds like this in scripture when you start researching it Revelation 21 God himself will be with them he will wipe away every tear from their eyes And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. That's rectified. So how do we pray? How do we pray to this God? The God that he should do what only he can do to rectify all creation, to rectify us. And you know, we did that earlier today. You may not have realized it. The Lord's Prayer, there's a part of it that says... Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What you are praying when you're praying the Lord's Prayer is for God's, God's kingdom to come in its fullness, in its completeness. And for it to be a place where God's will is done here on earth as it's already being done completely and perfectly in heaven. That's what you're praying for every time you say the Lord's Prayer. Know any situations you can pray about that? That they be rectified, put right, set right? I bet you do. I know I do. In fact, I, I, it makes me want to pray the very last prayer found in the book of Revelation. Amen. Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Yes. Yes. We pray that to the God who rescues, the God who reverses, the God who rectifies. Let's pray to that God an hour a day and see what happens. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for love and goodness and grace. Thank you that you are the God who who rescues, who reverses, who rectifies. Enable our prayers of thanksgiving to you. Enable our response of thanksgiving with lives lived for your kingdom's purposes. May you receive the glory and honor. We pray in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.